Ephesians 6.18. In this section here where it's talking about this, this is our master text. It's what we're gleaning off of our, our all of our sermons are coming from for the month. Because we're dealing with prayer and dealing with the subject of prayer, which is vital to the life of the believer. I mean, God has put this as a tool of our life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I want you to say that out loud. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. That means that though we do use physical senses and we do physical things with our five senses, taste, touch, feel, see, hear, and smell, the believer's weapons are not those things. Now, all of us do those things. I do them. You do them. We all do. We use our natural in conjunction with our spirit. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Let me say that again. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then it goes on to say, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. You and I are spirits. We hear from God in our spirits. Look at somebody and say, we hear from God in our spirit. We do things in our natural, in response to the things of the spirit. We act things out. This is our faith. It's our faith in action. We act them out, but we are a spirit being. God is a spirit. He's not a physical being like you and I are. God's a spirit. And his communication with us, his relationship with us is is a spiritual relationship. This is why he says that you can't understand his word unless you receive it by the spirit. You can't understand it. See, sinners, when, when sinners pray and they've never accepted Christ and have no relationship with him, the very first prayer that God hears from someone that's not part of the family is the salvation prayer. He says, if you'll confess with the mouth, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. So the first prayer that's heard by God from a sinner is, I need Jesus. I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he doesn't hear the sinner's prayer. Now, I know you might believe that. You believe that just because somebody's out there praying and saying words that look like prayer or they're, they're just, just, just angling words that somehow that's, that is acceptable by the Lord. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that believers get to pray. Look at somebody and say, thank God, believers get to pray. What I think, what I think people don't realize is it's not their prayers when they're sinners that's working. It's somebody praying for them. Aren't you glad somebody prayed for you? Somebody ought to shout out amen. Man, I am so glad that somebody prayed for me. You know, I have the, the, the blessing of having a, a family that loved the Lord, that knew the Lord at a very young age of my life. They introduced me to the Lord. And so I've known how to pray my whole life and obviously have access to God. But God is, God is a God of rules. He has uh, things that he's designed. Prayer is a designed weapon for the believer. It's designed for the believer. Again, look at somebody and say, prayer, prayer. is a designed weapon for the believer. If you're a believer, you get to pray. If you're a believer, amen. If you're a believer, you get to pray. So that's a benefit to you and I. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds. Things the devil has set against us. Things the devil puts in front of us. Things the devil tries to dismantle us with. We have weapons to actually dismantle him. And dismantle his situation. And take him out of our path. And take him out of our situation. And those weapons are exclusive to the believer. They don't belong to the non-believer. A non-believer can't claim Jesus against the devil. But you and I can. Somebody ought to shout out amen. It's something to be part of the family. I mean, just tell you, it's something to be part of the family of God. You and I need to come to a realization of how great it is. I mean, when we praise and worship God, we need to do a little bit better on praise and worship because I think we need to realize we've been made part of the family of God. And by being part of the family of God, he's given us access to what we wouldn't have access to. I have access. That's why he said he lifted me up, that he raised me up together with him. I don't think you realize you've been raised up together with him. You've been raised up. Up together with him and when we pray we're praying out of our heart God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth we do things in the physical we act physically things but our physical actions are not the communicator to God as New Testament believers we have come to a new place with God Now, if you were Old Testament, God did things as a designed mechanism to allow for man to understand him, to allow for man to have access in some way to him. Now, we know in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, man was not justified. Man was not born again, but man had a covering. It was just a covering. He was covered. That's why the Bible tells us, if you, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that they would take the bloods of the lamb and they would pour it over the law, over the tabernacle. They would pour it, and it would signify that man's sin, because they put the, the broken law inside of the tabernacle and, and some other things in there. And he would take that blood and pour that over the altar and it would cover the sin. It would cover what was broken. But New Testament, when Jesus came, the Bible says that the, 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 the veil between God and man was torn apart so that we could have access to God. And now Jesus can live in our heart and we can be justified. The word justified means just as if we'd never sinned. Just as if. Hallelujah. Thank God. My sins have not just been covered. I've been renewed. Somebody ought to shout out amen. I've been made brand new. But how did I do, how did that occur? Well, my flesh is still the same when I get saved. My hair is still brown. I think it's most gray now. It's not brown anymore. Amen. You have to go look at them 2,000 pictures to see the brown hair. Amen. But I, I have Jesus living in my heart. And by the Holy Spirit, He speaks to me. Now, how did I get saved? The Bible says that somebody preached a word to you and that you received a word. Whether you believe that or not, the Bible doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. He said, how will they be saved unless they have a preacher? Somebody introduced the word to you. Somehow the word was introduced to you. And you received the word of God and took it in. But then you responded to the word by faith. You, you had a spiritual experience. Something happened inside and then you did something by faith. 
Maybe you walked the aisle and confessed the Lord. Came to the front and confessed. Maybe you were sitting in your seat and you confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. However it was, the Bible says that a man must believe in his heart and confess with his mouth. You cannot be saved unless you believe in your heart and you confess the Lordship of Christ in your life out of your mouth. There's a physical action. But the physical action was not first. The word came. Faith came. You responded by physically moving and doing something. Somebody say amen. And the reason this is important is because when we deal with challenges as a human, as a believer, we are going to respond physically. But our physical response is not to be first. Somebody ought to say amen. Amen. My physical response. Now you're going to have that. You're human. And you're going to act unlike. You live in a life with a real world and real experiences. But when it comes to things of growth. Comes to things you want to do in your life. Comes to higher experiences. Comes to more that God wants to add to you. More experience. More vision. More dream. It starts in the spirit. And then we physically act out what we received in the spirit. We act it out. You have to act it out. Some people don't understand that faith is the act. Faith is an act. Look at somebody say, faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. act. We act out something. You know, people just want to sit in a chair, do nothing, and expect that because somehow they had some belief that that was enough. But action is, is, a, is our physical relationship to a spiritual experience. Action. And so where does that come from? It comes from your spirit. It comes from your spirit. I had this discussion with my family and I just, I mean, just trying to clear this up for everybody. And again, I, I've said this a thousand times, but let me say it again. The truth of the matter is, if somebody came to you and said to you, Are you saved? And said, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you are saved? Now, everybody in here can give me a physical action. And I would ask and you say, well, I believe the Bible. I read the Bible. I got the word of God and I acted on the Bible. Yes, you did. But how do you know you're saved? Somebody puts a gun to your head and says, do you know you're saved? Would you answer, oh, I read the Bible? What would you say? You'd say, I know. You, wouldn't you? I mean, your answer, if I asked you, are you saved? Mister? I asked you if you're saved, what would you say? How do you know? I know. Right? I just know. I know I'm saved. I know it. Well, how do you know? Because I know. All right. Well, how do you know? Well, I walk the aisle. Is that how you know? That's an action. That's a response. That's what you did by faith, right? You walked the aisle because the word was preached. But when you accepted Christ, your actions would bring something. What? What does it bring? Your response to the word, what does it bring? It brings, I know. So what is I know? He said, his spirit... Beareth witness with my spirit. 
his spirit beareth witness with my spirit that I am the son of God, that I have been born again. His spirit beareth witness with my spirit. Now my actions confirm that. My actions, my actions were, were the demonstration of my faith. They were certainly what I did and they are what got me to the place where I'm supposed to go because my faith was in action. And when my faith was in action, I then know that I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. I know it. How many of you know you're saved? Raise your hand if you know you're saved. If you don't know, you need to know. Because those that have accepted Christ and received him have a relationship with him that was not birthed of the natural. You don't get saved by your natural experience. You got saved certainly by doing things in the natural, but it was because he drew you. No man comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. He drew you. You obeyed in action, but then he confirmed it by his Holy Spirit. You know that you know he signed the check. You could have a check, but you got to have a signature on the check. He's got to sign the check. I know that I know that I know. I know. I know. Now that's the basic, the most basic thing that any person can ever have as far as Jesus is concerned. Simple, basic. It's not running the aisles. It's not jumping. I run in the, I run the aisles. I jump, I hoop, I holler. I flip, I yell, I scream, I do all those things, but they're only responses to what's already happened in my heart. They are the praise and worship for what's already occurred in me. I, as a matter of fact, let me be honest with you. I praise and worship now for things I don't even have. Now, I know none of y'all are shouting yet, but, but if you think I'm praising because I got the new thing or because the new house showed up or the new car is there or because my health is exactly what I want it to be, if you think that's why I'm praising, you don't know the Bible very well. They didn't praise when the walls fell. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And what, what I'm trying to say is, is they started praising God and worshiping God before the walls fell. They started praising and magnifying the Lord before anything happened. And the reason is, is because they're, they're understanding that their weapons of their warfare were not, you're not getting it. They're not carnal. They're not carnal. If you think what you have as a weapon is the hands on your, uh, the fingers and the knuckles you can make or the words you can say, you miss the point. Your words are meaningless if they're not God words. Your hands are useless if they're not God hands. Your physical body can do nothing if God hadn't put his hand on you and if God hadn't spoken to you, if God hadn't revealed it to you, because the weapons of my warfare are not about my hands. They're not about my feet. They may be involved, but it's something happening. I know that I know that I, nobody shouting. I know. You can shoot me in the head if you want to, but if you ask me, how do you know you're safe? I tell you because God lives in my heart. I know him and I know about him. I know I have experienced him. I know that I know that I know but that's only the beginning. 
If it works that way for salvation, which is the bare minimum of my life as a Christian, if that's how I get saved, and that's the description of salvation, then the same thing is true in relation to every other thing you will receive from the Lord. There wasn't a lot of shouting on that. See, your health does not come because you feel it. Your health does not come because the doctor said it. The health does not come because of the medicine that you take. There is a confirmation that I have weapons of my warfare that are not carnal. It's not about the doctor. A doctor may help me. God may use a doctor. But before I go. It's not the bank. It's not the bank. It's the same principle. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know when somebody starts preaching prosperity to you. I promise you, when you get the revelation of prosperity, really get it? You're going to be able to look at me and say, Matthew 6.33 says that if I'll serve him, he'll give me all the desires of my heart. He's going to pour into me. I know that I know that I know. I don't need another banker. I don't need another person. I know, and it may come through a bank. It might come through another person. It might be a deal, but I know that I... Real faith is about the spirit. It happens in the spirit. The Lord is a spirit. The Lord is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such. I've always loved that. You know, I've read books and seen books and met authors a great author, great Christian author. I remember he had the, 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 the God seeking man book and all that. And everybody was reading it, you know. And I kept reading the scripture that says, if you're a worshiper and you're a seeker and you're dealing with your spirit, that God being a spirit will come and seek you out. I found out that the best place to find God is when you seek him in the spirit because he'll come find you. Not about you becoming more physically adapt. You'll physically adapt when your spirit gets right. When you've understood your spirit. When you understand to hear from your spirit. When you understand to, to listen to the voice of your spirit. So that as a deep down believer, you know that you know that you know that you know that you know. I mean, when you're dealing with apprehensions and depressions and you're dealing with things and the devil comes to trip you up and your blood supply ain't quite right, whatever may be the case. And God said, cast all your cares over on me for I care for you. The day you wake up in the morning and you stand up and you say, I'm not going to be anxious no more. I'm not carrying depression no more. I'm not thinking about suicide and death no more. I want to live and not die because I know 
that I know. See, God told me I could cast all my cares. I don't have to carry that no more. I don't have to hold that weight no more. I don't have to continue in that depression no more. Because God said, he didn't give me a spirit of fear. But he gave me a power. He gave me a spirit of power. And of love. And of a sound mind. I'm full from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. For the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. You can get some carnal help. I'm not suggesting. Sometimes we got to get our faith up to a certain point. There have been people that I've sent places because I knew they weren't where they needed to be in the spirit. But my hope wasn't that the carnal would work. My belief was that until I got their faith right, I could get something to hold the place. Come on, somebody. Amen. Until they got it in their spirit. Until God would renew their mind. Until they would have that fresh thinking. I have the mind of Christ. If you could see Jesus. And him all depressed. And him all anxious. And him all nervous. And him afraid. And him worried. And that's the Jesus that you have in your mind. Who sees Jesus that way? Just raise your hand if that's how he looks to you. Nobody sees him that way. That's because he'll never, ever be that way. And he lives in you. And said he made you the righteousness. I wonder if y'all get what I'm talking about. If the Jesus that lives in me, that transformed my life and said that old things became new, lives in me. And everything I see about him is, I see him, what he is, right? He's full of wealth. He's full of blessing. Full of anointing. Full of power. Full of mercy. Full of grace. Full of peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. He adopted me in, and that same Jesus that lives in me said, I'm transforming you from this earth to heaven. I'm transforming you. I'm raising you from one state to another state. The state he's taking you to is not the state where you are now. It's a new state. It's a new place. It's a new arrival. And and, and, and you've got to come to the conclusion. See, some sometimes... We become satisfied with the quotient as it exists. We just become satisfied. We just become uh, uh, immune to the condition. I don't know if anybody talks about it. My father had a stroke at 41. He lost half of his body at 41. I was in the hospital room on his 41st year and, and it was right around my birthday. And he'd gone out and played softball the night before. He was a professional baseball player, pastoring a church after he'd retired from whatever all he was doing. He came and, and he, was, he was pastoring a church. And uh, that night he played a softball game. After the softball game, he sat in the house, lost control of his right side. Anyway, the next morning he woke up. He didn't have his right side. He could not talk. We got to the hospital and all you do is mumble. 
nothing. I basically had to tell the doctors and nurses and everything in the hospital room what was going on with my dad. I was 14, 15 years old trying to explain all this. And uh, they told him, your blood sugar is so bad, you'll be on insulin the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. And they told him in that room, you'll never talk again normal. I watched my dad get so serious about his speech that within a week he could talk just as normal as you and I. Nothing was gone. As a preacher, he had to preach. He knew how to, I mean, this was his living. The pain of loss of voice was there. How am I going to live if I can't, if I can't preach? And so he got serious. I mean, really serious about his voice within a week. Bam! Perfect speech. He had to go home with the needles, you know, those insulin needles. He was going to be an insulin the rest of his life. And I've never met a man in all my life that hated needles more than this man. You might think it's you, but I've met one worse. He hated needles. Hated needles. I remember one night I was giving him his insulin shot and I hit an artery or something. And when you do that, we didn't know. All of a sudden, his arm pupped. Pussed up, you know, with all that blue blood and just big spot of blood in his arm and <clears throat> went back into the syringe. Oh, it was crazy. I watched my dad get serious about this insulin and say, I'm not going to keep taking shots because I hate needles and this is the worst thing in the world. Within a month, he was insulin free. Within a month, he had his insulin back. He was done with that. Not going to have that no more. Because he couldn't stand needles. Hated the needles. Hated them. And yet, there was no pain with the stroke. Then no pain. You know, if you've had a stroke, there's no pain. Just discomfort, just irritation, just loss of a body limb. The doctors told him that if he would go to therapy... And he would work, he could get about 98% of his motion back in the course of a year because he was so young, if he would work. And he wouldn't work. One night he had a miracle, he walked in the bathroom, one night, and, and, and when he walked in, the Holy Ghost came on him, and everything was back, he could feel it all, he could use all of his limbs, and he said these words, I can't believe that. But there was no pain. He had become accustomed To what didn't cost him anything. It did cost him. He didn't realize it. But it wasn't hurting. There was no irritation. No aggravation. No frustration. Other than the loss of a limb. I don't think anybody's hearing what I'm trying to say. But everything that cost him something. He couldn't stand. And he wanted to change. If he had just started with one pinky. And decided I'm going to move my pinky. Or I'm going to move my wrist. Or I'm going to move my hand. I mean, it might not have been his whole arm, but it would have started somewhere. Some action. But see, he had not come to the point. Hear me now. That he said, I can't live with that no more. It had not become serious enough for him to actually even extend the faith towards it. Many of us are living in financial conditions that we've become satisfied with. You're okay with your house. 
Oh, it, it just, it was quiet before I started preaching anyway. I haven't made you any more quiet. My car gets me from A to B. The only time you want a job change is when somebody on the job gives you a hard time. You don't mind the salary, you don't mind the pay. I don't know what it is, and I'm not saying everybody ought to go get a new job. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say to you is, is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. I tell you now, you hear me now, you hear me. When you come to a level of dissatisfaction with your, condi- with your condition, when you come to the knowledge that the way you are and what you're doing is no longer satisfactory. When you decide. I mean it could be about your marriage. could be about. I don't know what it is. But when you come to a decision to apply your faith life. At the level your physical body will experience it. I get it in my heart first. You're not going to get recovery of your marriage because you all of a sudden do something different. You're going to get it when you realize. See, I came to the conclusion. I was reading the Bible one day and I saw the scripture. Now, I could tell you this and it might just be a scripture to you. You might try to adapt it. But the Lord said they became one flesh. Oh, my Lord. I don't think anybody, I couldn't explain it. For 56 years, you understood what He didn't have to be perfect. He didn't have to have everything together. He didn't have to always mow the grass on the same day. He forgot the laundry. He forgot the... <laughs> but for 56 years, you were married. I was there on the 56th year date. I was with you in those moments. Something happened inside. That she expressed outside. It's not what you're doing on the outside. See, everybody's angry. I don't know why I'm on this. Just, I just jumping over here. Just, I'm going to leap over. Said, all right. He ain't right. He ain't done right. He ain't all that. He ain't everything. And he ain't blah, blah, blah. She ain't blah. She didn't. She such and such and so and so and such and such. And he won't talk right. And she won't talk right. And they don't act right. And they should act better. And they shouldn't act. I'm just, (laughs) I've been married 25 years. She has the most imperfect husband alive. Yesterday, Brian had football in the morning. I got to quit. Brian had football in the morning, in the morning. By chance, they were going to finally let him touch the football and play quarterback for a little bit. For me, this is amazing because he ain't done none of that. He's always wanted. He's practiced. He's done everything you could do to do it. But he has yet to go behind the snap in a football game, take a snap, and be the quarterback. So if he gets one snap of that, I'm like, yes! <laughs> That's all I wanted was one snap. 
First thing I had to do, though, was take them to the gym at the high school because yesterday they had a band competition in Columbia. So I loaded everybody up, drove them over to the band competition, and Brian practiced for an hour at the high school. Then I went and picked him up from the high school to go play a football game. The football game got delayed three behind two other games. And I waited in hopes that he could take one snap. I'm just telling you the truth. Just one. Because I knew if he could take one, we get encouraged. Right? It's all worth it if he took one snap. If he only tells everybody for the rest of his life he played quarterback and he only took one snap, we won. He can run around telling everybody he injured his leg or whatever. No, 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 I'm just kidding. And so I waited. When we get done, the problem is Brian has to go to Columbia now because I can't, he can't ride the band bus because he's got to play the football game. So now I've got to drive him an hour and a half to Columbia. After the, y'all don't mind my stories, do you? He gets out on the fi- football field and he takes, he took four snaps as quarterback. Yes. Four times he was the quarterback. I have succeeded. <laughs> and he did good. Okay. So I come home and I'm like ready to take him to Columbia. All right. We're done with football. Amy comes to watch his four snaps. So she's sitting there and I've got this look on my face like, I don't want to go by myself. <laughs> Does any man in here know what I'm talking about? She don't want to go. She got no desire, had no, no interest in going whatsoever. I, you know, and Emily's with her. And Emily has no desire to go. But I've got that look. <laughs> you know the look? And she looks up. Not because she wanted to go to Columbia. Not because she, I know she loves Brian. But if it was up to her, Brian could just skip. <laughs> And she says, I'll go with you. I knew that wasn't because she wanted to go to Columbia. I knew that it wasn't because her flesh was trying to love her husband more. I knew that something happened somewhere else. Something happened somewhere else. You could do duty or you could do Jesus. Three hours, four hours later, we're back at the house. She's ready to crash. She's tired. I know she's not going to pick him up from the school. That part I know. I'm not even going to ask. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. If everything about somebody still aggravates you or things about them aggravate you, you're still thinking carnal. That's just a little leap. I don't know. I, maybe it was real good for somebody. Somebody need to hear what I got to say. Somebody's struggling. They couldn't quite live up to 
Can't quite make it to the measure. Maybe your measure is the wrong measure. I don't know I'm saved because I walked up to the front. I know I'm saved because his spirit bears witness with my spirit. I don't know I'm saved because every day I do exactly right. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. I know I'm saved because I've got a spirit man on the inside. The Lord is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Hallelujah. Anybody get anything out of this today? Hallelujah.